Welcome to another episode of Living in the Moment. Today, we are joined by Tasha Clark, the Director of Brand Experience at California Closets. She has been a fantastic partner for our moment makers with her years of experience in customer service, and she also helped to build the California Closets customer care team, which she oversees and leads day to day. Today, we talk about her drive and inspiration through what she does every day, what a 10 means in her book of customer service. And I was very excited to align on several thoughts when it comes to customer experience and navigating customer concerns. As a bonus, I think I'd love to explore Disney World with her. I hope you all enjoy this one. Here is Living in the Moment. So I just wanted to say thank you for making time for us and for joining us. A little bit of background, living in the moment is my brainchild and my special project that I love to do with TLS. The filter of it is really just learning everything that TLS does, why we love what we do, and um, really diving into the customer service world and how to really deliver that perfect 10 and engage with customers um, and deliver our brand promises. So I wanted to talk to you because I know that you have a ton of experience with building the California Closets um, Customer Care Center and then also working with us closely on how we will deliver the brand promise um, with our moment makers. So I just wanted to start if you want to introduce yourself and a little bit about your history and your journey up until now. Sure. Okay. So I am Tasha Clark. I'm the Director of Brand Experience at California Closets. And I joined uh, the organization in January of 2020. I I came over from first service residential where I spent five years. Um, During that time I worked with Ramey and I worked with the TLS team on projects and was also familiar with uh, some of the brands on the first service brand side. Um, So it was was nice to stay kind of within the family. um, But also move over to another brand, which is a totally different experience. Um, For me, my career started in call center vendor and vendor management. Um, So I've I've worked for various third-party organizations. I've worked for direct organizations building customer care constructs within, you know, within an internal um, team. Um, And then the, the role kind of expanded and my career kind of expanded to really start to dig deep into experience customer experience, employee experience, um, how they impact the service that we deliver to our customers. So over the last few years, my focus has been really around um, NPS, satisfaction, brand loyalty, research, and data analytics. So um, excited to bring some of that to California Closets as well. But, uh, and I'd say that aligns with TLS 100%. And um I like what you said about staying within the family, like my, my own history, I came from college pro. So college pro into, into TLS. And then, um, I had that opportunity to see the different vantage points, seeing, being a part of TLS from the franchisee side and being a part of TLS from the moment maker side. So right. it's, uh, I'd say it's a common theme with many of us staying within the family. Yeah. Tell me a bit about the customer care center um, and its biggest purpose living within California closets. Um, so, you know, the customer care center as a construct, um, is pretty new to California closets. We've always partnered with TLS, you know, and we've been lucky to have a service partner, 
um, in TLS to really help us to kind of activate our credo and, and deliver, you know, and manage our first contact interactions. And then, you know, last year, we also looked at some additional internal needs as it related to servicing the customers. So ab above and beyond uh, that first initial contact, you know, some complaint handling and social media addressing and some of the other kind of higher end uh type of, of uh, customer related transactions. Um, we started to look at, at that and building this customer care team around that. So when I think about customer care at California Closets, it's now officially as of a month ago, a department, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's its own team, right? And, it, and in, in my opinion, it's got two sides to it. It's got our first contact uh, team, which is, you know, TLS and all the great work that the moment makers do at TLS. And then we've got the central support team really built around kind of offering that added support to TLS as well as our operators throughout the business. Um, so it, it hopefully will provide a more holistic um, approach and service offering and service recovery uh, to our customers and, um, you know, help to support all areas of the business. Very cool. So where, how do you blend the two to make it seamless? Um, if, if a customer kind of speaks with a location plus customer care, and at some point also a moment maker, where is the seamless journey in there? Yeah, and, that, and that's really where technology needs to step in and help us to kind of better manage the customer relationship. So one of the, the things that we hope to gain out of moving from our dashboard uh, solution to a Salesforce solution is a full kind of holistic customer relationship management tool that everyone has access to and everyone can see the same things so that it is seamless. You know, that there's a standard of service, there's a way that we track the information, there's a way that we capture specific information, and that it's visible to all areas of the business. So that when a moment maker is talking to a customer and gives that seemingly small piece of information, the customer gives them a little bit of, you know, a tidbit into what they're looking for in terms of their experience. That's something that can easily travel all the way through you know, right. their relationship with us. And when they're talking to the designer, when the installer goes out and installs. So the only way to do that is to make sure that we create the process and we have the system and the technology in place um, to carry, you know, that experience all the way through. And as a consumer, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of my, one of my favorite things is not having to repeat myself. So I think that's beautiful. Yeah. So as you're building your team and, and whatever you can share, uh, what's the number one filter or the number one thing that you really wanted to get across in order to set that foundation of mm -hmm. how you work with your customers and that customer service standard? Yeah, I think it's about the brand voice and who we are as an organization and who we how we want to represent ourselves to our customer and making sure that that brand voice is shared by everyone and that where we are, um, you know, servicing our customers with that one voice, one brand perspective, you know, that we're creating the consistency and the experience that um, we understand the role that we play in the full customer journey, right? So it's not just about answering some initial questions that the customer call, calls in with or scheduling that initial consultation. We really set the tone 
for that entire relationship. Um, and we play a big part in the customer journey. And so understanding that and making sure that we've developed what that consistent experience needs to look like um, and that we all own it. You know, we all are responsible for managing the brand experience and activating the brand experience. So keeping that cohesive, um, you know, viewpoint and, um, you know, building everything around that, that philosophy, I think is, is kind of the number one focus. That's interesting. So it's very much like a peer-to-peer accountability in that the team needs to deliver it. It's not just one-off or individual pieces. Yes, they all need to do it, but they're all accountable as a team. Absolutely. And, and I don't think that the customer experience, the brand experience is owned by any one particular team. It's not owned by customer care, right? We We activate it through what we do, but so does every single associate who interacts with the customer. So our designers own the brand experience, our installers own the brand experience, our accounting team owns the brand experience, right? Because the brand experience is so much more than just that initial interaction. It's the sum of all the interactions. It's the relationship that our employees have with the brand as well. So um, yeah, yeah. Very cool. So thinking about Thinking about that and how, and the impact that your team does have, what is the thing that you're most proud of with your team every day? Um, I would have to say um, the progress that we make on a regular basis. I mean, the team really has an improvement mentality and they're always looking for ways to improve what we're doing, right? Nothing is status quo. And it may just be because of the way the team was built, right? We were built kind of in the middle of a pandemic from a necessity, starting with a strong pivot in a totally different direction than what we were used to doing and having to create it along the way, right? We didn't have the luxury of strategizing and sitting and thinking about it and mapping it out and you know, putting a, a project plan and streams and sprints and all of that in place, right? And getting us to that point where we launch. We launched, we learned, and then we continue to grow in <laughs> progress right through the process. So I just think that we, you know, the, the, the piece that sticks out to me is just kind of the, the innovation, the constant thinking of ways to improve it that the team has, um, you know, it, it's motivating and they know, it, you know, it really comes across as a part of their job, you know, yep, I can do this. Um, but I'm also responsible for making sure that I'm outlining things that need to, to be done or looked at a little bit differently. That's going to improve the customer experience. So, you know, we're making a lot of strides in that area. You know, we've, I, I feel like we've really enhanced the level of service that we're providing our customers just because we're working closely together. Um, cause we're looking at things a little bit, uh, you know, differently and we, we've stretched the role, um, a little bit. Um, in order to be able to do that. So, yeah. Are you guys remote or? A hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So how, so when you're innovating each day or you're, or you're implementing new things kind of across the board as they happen, how, I don't know if simple is the word, but how effective is it with everyone remote in getting everyone on board with the, with a new update? Um, 
So, you know, remote work was always like, I know throughout my career, it's, it's, it was always that challenge, right? Because in a frontline kind of environment, you've got to have high energy, high motivation, rally the team constantly, eyes and ears on it on a, on a consistent basis. So how do you have that same level of intensity and apply that same level of urgency in a remote environment? And, and that's where you got to get really, really creative. I mean, you know, we, we keep the team very, very close. Um, you know, we've built chat rooms where they're constantly connected to each other and sharing information with each other on a regular basis. We have regular stand-up meetings. We have uh, plenty of social events for them to connect um, and, and be a part of the culture. Um, we bring other folks from the business in, right? So you don't have the luxury of passing someone in the hall from another department and maybe stopping and chit-chatting and learning more about what they do, right? And kind of seeing how what you do kind of, uh, you know, supports them. Um, so how do you do that? So we, we, we bring a lot of folks in, guest speakers, we invite them to, you know, ride along with us. Um, and, and bring them into our world. We share a lot of what we're doing, activities and, and things like that, um, you know, to create that same kind of level of camaraderie that you would have if you were in, in a, you know, a brick and mortar office, you know, setting. So it's not necessarily the easiest thing, but I think, you know, when you identify the right individuals, who thrive in these types of environments, right? Some people are just not gonna thrive in that type of environment, but right. there, there are some who act, actually thrive more in that type of environment. So it's kind of it's kind of pairing it and making sure that you find the right individuals who um, you know, understand how they can you know, support that um, and participate. Um, it, it works out very well. And I've been very pleased, I haven't had any concerns in terms of, you know, some of the, the normal things you look for, productivity and, you know, those types of things. I haven't had any concerns and the team is, is very vested in, in kind of making this work and, and doing a good job. So it's, um, it's kind of like that intrinsic motivation by engaging them, they will remain engaged, they motivate yeah. and it kind of grows from there. That's cool. Absolutely. I like that. So what's been the biggest challenges when uh setting up and and leading day-to-day -day the care yeah. center yeah just a couple um, <laughs> well you know one of the biggest things and i think this is this would probably be true for many um other teams in the business is that you know we're an organization of many businesses right and as operators of businesses you know um, we often feel like we know what's best um, and, and how it should be handled and how certain things should be, you know, handled and how work should be conducted. And it's hard to hand that over to someone else. So in a team like ours, where we've now kind of blended and centralized some functions, you know, that's a challenge. That's a challenge to get folks to kind of buy into that concept. Um, I think that, you know, a big problem or a big challenge with that is just blending thoughts and ideas and visions together, right? Everybody's kind of got their own 
How do you blend it together so that it keeps the best practice of the business in mind, the customer in the center of that thinking, you know, all the time to come up with what what's going to work best, right? Um, that's probably the biggest challenge. And so I feel like it's kind of my job to make sure that the customers and the employees are always at the center of that thinking and those decisions. And that's where we're always focusing. And um, to me, if that's the center of the focus, we'll overcome the challenges. You know, those challenges are just semantics and we'll get through it and we'll be fine as long as all ends, all areas, all parties involved, you know, keep the employee and keep the customer at the center of their thinking. Absolutely. So that that leads to when you're coaching or or when you're delivering the service yourself, what constitutes a 10? And then it's kind of a two-parter. Where where do you straddle the line between brand process and mm-hmm. customer needs and listen to the customer? Yeah. So I think what where you start to see an elevated level of service is when you when you really take ownership of an issue and ownership of communication. Communication is probably the number one complaint that any consumer has about any business. <laughs> I don't think I've ever worked for a business where, you know, the top complaint didn't have something to do with the way we were communicating issues or problems or things or progress or whatever it is, just the way that we're communicating to the customer. Um, So I think that for most businesses, just having that sense of ownership and everyone involved having that sense of ownership is really going to help to elevate, you know, your customer's perception of your business. It's not necessarily about you not ever making a mistake never having an issue, you know, never having a, an, uh, a problem, um, you know, with your products or services. It's, it's really just about the way that you address them with the customer and how you bring them into the process, into the solution, and you're transparent throughout, throughout the way. Um, to me, that's a 10 all day. Um, what was the second part of your question? <laughs> no, fair, fair enough. And and that, I don't know if I want to say it surprised me, but like that, that answer catches me off guard. Cause that's so, so true. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the things that drives me the most insane as a consumer is if there is a concern or you express any frustration and there's no apology or right. acknowledgement of it. I mean, yeah. like you really, you really come to notice that if they just say, yeah. okay, yeah. And I'll pass you off to the next person. Like, yes. Very quick to just say, well, it wasn't us. It was this mm-hmm. department or it was this team or it was this person as opposed to just owning it. It, it doesn't matter. We're all California closets. We yeah. are the brand. It doesn't matter who, where it started, but what matters the most is where it's going to end. And that should be right here with me. And so having everyone have, you know, I, it, I understand we all have a role to play in the bigger picture, but as it faces the customer, that should be seamless to the customer. So if I have to go talk to 10 people and different teams to get something done, this customer should never have to feel that. When they yes. reach out and they get in contact with me, the expectation should be Tasha's gonna handle it. Tasha will get back to me, regardless of what I had to do to actually get it done. I love that. 
The second part was where you straddle the line between a brand process or what the brand needs yeah. uh, versus what the customer needs if it differs. Yeah. Yeah. And that's always tricky, right? Um, in some organizations, you've got clear, strict guidelines and then a short leash outside of that in terms of what you can do to, you know, to, to resolve the issue. Um, and then in others, it's kind of wide open. In some organizations, it's wide open. It's not defined at all. And I think both are important. I think it is important to define certain parameters because that's what where the consistency happens. That's where you create a consistent brand experience. However, you know, leaving room for um, individuals to provide some sort of creative solution. It's not always going to be a one size fits all but I know I can step outside of what normal policy is within these parameters to, to hopefully get some things done. So um, I think as an organization and as a brand, we need to define it. We need to kind of make it clear um, to, to folks, this is, this is what you can do and this is how I support it after that, right? None of this works. Now, where do I go? You know, And, and I think part of the, um, one of the challenges is, you know, it's frustrating for a frontline person to not know how to resolve a customer's issue. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't know who to go to. I don't know how it's going to get resolved. I know what I feel, but I don't know if I have permission. And so that, yeah. that empowerment and giving them some guideline to work around and then allowing them to, to be that customer service professional that they are to, you know, um, be able to go through a service recovery process. Um, I think, you know, that's kind of the key to kind of balance both. I think customers understand when you can't give them the world, right? But the fact that you acknowledge that I had an issue, you owned it, yeah. you know, and you took some steps, you gave, you, you, you offered something. It may not be exactly what I wanted, but for the most part, folks just want to be heard. You know, yeah. they just want to be heard and they want to be acknowledged and they want to feel as though um, that somebody is owning the issue at hand, you know, and we're not putting it back on on them, you know, to kind of resolve. And I've also found there's really no harm in saying, I don't know, because mm -hmm. if you don't know, you don't know, but you can find out. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely about finding that core piece of it of, for the consistency. And I always, I've always said to you in like some situations, if you have to quote, take liberties, if it kind of goes into that gray area of a process, as long as there's a thought process behind it, because yeah. you're trying to get them to the right place, you're trying to get that information. I mean, you can't, you're, you have to listen to the customer. Yeah. That's the business we're in. <laughs> yeah. And that's where the trust gets built. You know, that's, you know, I have more trust in the person who says, I don't know, but I'm going to find out and I'm going to get back to you than the person who's quickly spewing off every answer to me. Cause then it just sounds like, you know, you're reading your script, you're telling you, you're giving me fluff. You're not really putting, putting real thought behind how to resolve my issue, you know, for sure. I agree with you. Yeah. 
Um, so you mentioned that you're most proud of the way that you can innovate and you can develop these new ideas altogether. Is there one key thing that stands out as what you would define to be the most rewarding moment so far in your time with California Closets? Hmm. Um, I would probably have to say, you know, at the beginning when we were piloting this concept of kind of centralizing customer service and scheduling and so on and so forth in the group, um, there was a lot of hesitancy, as I, as I mentioned, you know, because how do I hand this over to somebody else, you know, to do, right? Yeah. When I, I feel like I know what my customers need. Um, and I, I would say we've been at it for a year now. And, and the most rewarding part is, you know, we're not selling ourselves as much anymore. The, the service is speaking for itself and, and folks are coming to us and asking us, how can you support my business? How can you help? Um, so I think to me, for me, that's probably, um, one of the most rewarding parts, you know, that I've gotten to in this, in this journey. And, and taking that into account and then thinking about, um, the way that you get to lead the team every day, the different ways that you engage them, what's your favorite part? of of your of your day-to-day work and what makes you excited to go into work um (laughs) i would have to probably say um our chat we we chat on a regular basis but seeing how folks are kind of resolving issues themselves they're chatting amongst themselves they're solving issues themselves they're coming up with process it makes my job that much easier right so, you know, I can, I have a team of people I can go to, um, to collaborate with, um, you know, I'm not on an Island by myself. I'm not here trying to solve, um, anything on my own We're we're really working to together collectively to find the best solutions to things. So that's, you know, that makes it worth it every day coming in. <laughs> Gives you a purpose to be that part yeah. of the team. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. So thinking about those at the customer care center and thinking about our moment makers, what's the what's the best piece of advice that you could give someone who is walking in first day to work with a new brand or walking in first day to work in customer service? Just like anything to really deliver that that standard service. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'd probably say just always remember that. The, the simplest thing you can do is just make sure that your customer feels as though you hear them. You know, it's that ownership piece, that accountability piece that we've talked about. It's just, you know, everybody wants the same thing. Everybody wants to be heard and acknowledged. And if you start there, mm-hmm. everything else will fall in place. All the processes you need to resolve the issue, the you know, all of the rest of it, um, will fall in place, focus on hearing the customer out, focus on acknowledging what the issue is, really truly understanding what the issue is. Um, Everything else will work out. I agree. That seems to be a very, it's, so I I asked that question in like some different ways to several different people. And it it almost always comes back down to just listen to the customer, but it's very interesting to hear the different ways that people will suggest to listen. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you always still can pull out a different idea from the same overall umbrella. Yep. Yep. And it's the same. And like I said, it's, it's, it's what we all want. It's yes. what we all want in any relationship, regardless if it's with a, you know, a, a brand or if it's a personal relationship, we just want to be heard and understood. Right. So if you start there with that thinking, you know, regardless if it's a customer, your family, your friends, um, everything else, I think just falls into place. Yes. And it's that key difference between listening to understand versus listening to respond, because listening to respond is a script in front of you. Listening to understand is engaging. Yeah. And that's the biggest difference you can make. Agree. So you've had um, a long career of just working in customer care and, and really uh, supporting that side of businesses. So what's one thing that you wish you could tell your younger self walking into your first day in this industry <laughs> that might prepare them better? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, hmm. I would probably say that you don't have all the answers <laughs> and you'll never have all the answers. And your job will be so much easier um, when you collaborate and you, you know, build relationships outside of yourself and your team that's needed to kind of get things done. So I think, you know, we all come into a lot of things, whether it's, you know, fresh out of school and it's your first job or you're moving from company to company and you're in a new role or, you know, with big ideas of how we're gonna solve the world's problems, right? And, but um, I think just learning how to really, really, truly collaborate with others um, will help you to get so much further, so much faster. So that's probably what I tell my younger self. Start with that. that and then yeah. <laughs> and then think about what job you're supposed to be doing, but start with the relationships first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's very cool. So uh, like with me and, and the Moment Maker team and everything, like we talk a lot about how we will be inspired or the impact that our leaders have on us. But what would you say is the impact or the inspiration that your team has on you? Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, a lot of what we've talked about, I mean, just just um, constantly thinking, you know, they, they really just keep me thinking and they keep me on my toes and, and not just to improve the experience for the customer, but to improve the experience for them, right? So the more and more I see them focused on the customers, the more and more I want to focus on them, you know, and help to improve their experience so that can that can trickle down to the customer. So um, I mean, that's just, they keep me inspired by how, how much they want to help, how well they want to do, you know, like that. When we talk about that care consistency and, and keeping those aspects for a customer journey, a big piece of it, and, and we've talked about this also on, on previous episodes, but a, a big piece of it is that language and ritual piece of it. So. Mm-hmm. 
where and how much does language come into a customer's journey and also even in training and how you prepare someone for that customer care? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's that's that is probably one of our areas that we are restarting, right? Because because we are an organization of organizations, because we're a, a, a business of many businesses, and we're now, a, you know, we've grown from perspective of pulling all of these folks together into one team and trying to create one voice around that. Um, there hasn't been common language, right? You know, a CL from Seattle may speak very differently or understand things differently than a CL that came from, you know, our Atlanta location. So pulling all of those folks together, right? Um, all knowing how to do what they do, um, but creating some cohesion around it is probably our next step, right? So I think that's where we probably still need a little bit of work is what is that common language, you know? That makes sense. Yeah, because everyone's going to, um, like you said, everyone's going to know how to do what they do, but mm -hmm. it's it's developing that into you can still do that, but it needs to fit with the brand. Yeah. And there's just the ways to put those puzzle pieces together. So Correct. Correct. Yeah. So I think that's a big conversation for 2022. It's, it's, it's big work across the whole organization, but especially for, you know, our customer facing teams and um, and, you know, really being clear on what that common language is. For sure. So what would you say, um, chronologically, I guess, how do you go about setting up something like this? So like you said, you didn't have the time to plan, organize, strategize. It was like, set up a phone system, let's go. Right. <laughs> so, um, how... I assume in the past you've had the experience of being able to well plan and execute. Yeah. So um, how does that differ? What does that look like this quickly launch then learn process? Um, and how would you say it benefits more than if you had yeah. the time to plan? Yeah, I, I would say um, it starts with the customer, really um, understanding the customer's expectations. You know, what are they looking for from the experience at that level? Um, and, and spending some time with the customer is the, the first starting point. And I think that um, would have been beneficial to have prior to going into this journey. So in a centralized model, right, there's two customers. You've got the location that you're supporting, right? You know, cause I'm, I'm serving, we're servicing a customer that belongs to a location. Um, and then you have the, the customer, the external customer. Um, so your internal and external customer, I think oftentimes we spend a lot of time with the internal customer. Well, what do you need for me to do? Okay, so we're going, you know, we're gonna handle your calls, we're gonna schedule your consultations, we're gonna, you know, do this, that, and the other, and this is the process you need me to follow, and this is how you like your notes sent over, and, you know, you, you spend a lot of time with your internal customer to help develop your process. Um, and then afterwards, you kind of come back and say, okay, now what, how does the customer feel about all of that? And it, I think it would be beneficial to your starting point to be with the customer first, you know? The external. 
the external customer and, and help to guide the conversations that you have with the internal customer by sharing what those expectations are, by advocating and being the voice, you know, for the customer um, so that you, you, you walk into it both, both ends with, with a very, you know, clear view of where you're trying to go. That's interesting. We've talked about some processes in the past where it's like sales wise, it is proven, quote proven, that if you call the customer back three times, then they're more likely to book because you'll wear them down, so to speak. (laughs) But the customer does not appreciate that. So it's finding that line between, yes, we want the sales. Yes, we know the tactics. The customer does not want the tactics. <laughs> yeah, it's that operational and that experiential data, and and how, um, you know, how to look at both of those pieces, right? So operationally, you're going to look at the statistic that says, yes, this is your sweet spot. Call them three times, and you finally get that, you know, you get that booking. So I'm going to call them three times. But that experiential data says, uh-uh, you know, that's not the experience that I want. That's not, you know, giving me the positive uh, perception of the brand, you know. And that's to me what's a little bit, you know, more important and kind of balancing the two of those things together is, you know, really key. For sure. Yeah. So I asked this um, to close out everything, every conversation, because I love the nuggets that come out of it. So what is one thing that you try to do? And the key word is always try uh, in your personal or professional life to live in the moment. (laughs) Um, so I am a huge multitasker I don't feel right if I'm doing only one thing at a time you know um and and it's something that I've actually uh been trying to change um and to slow down because I'm a type a personality I plan everything like you know, my family laughs at me because we go to Disney World and I have it mapped out. We're going to the right first. And then we circle back around and we meet at the, you know, <laughs> we meet at the merry-go-round and then we're having lunch at 0600, you know, so it's like, <laughs> so, and I'm sure, you know, so, but one of the things that that does is applies a lot of pressure because now there's this expectation and everybody looks at you like, okay, well, what are we doing? You know, and I'm like, I don't know. I didn't map it out. Like this wasn't my job. So, so how do you live more in the moment is probably um, slowing down and, and taking a little bit of a, uh, a step back and not trying to tackle everything. Um, you know, not worrying about things always necessarily lining up five years down the line. Cause it's never going to work out that way. Um, and just enjoy the moment, you know, that you're in. I've got some kids, four of them, ranging from five to 21. And it is because of the range of ages of my kids, it's really, you know, caused me to, to live in the moment because, of course, I went through it all with the 21 year old, couldn't wait for him to grow up, right? And <laughs> That's a whole nother set of problems, right? And then I've got new young little ones and it's like, 
you know, I really want to hold on to the years when they still love you. And they, you know, they hang on your every word before they get to a teenager and they hate you. So, but they so come back. That's the important thing. And they then come they back. come back, right? So <laughs> you see the cycles that it goes through, right? But knowing, I think knowing that um, allows you to say, well, stop, let's enjoy this phase. Let's not rush them along because you think it's going to be easier on you to not have to change diapers anymore or not have to do bedtime routines anymore. like enjoy each stage that you're in while you're in that stage um and don't don't worry about the next stage it's not to say go into life blind but always i think it's good to have a a value set of where you what each stage looks like but it doesn't necessarily have to be completely mapped out to the T and so that you can really enjoy it because then otherwise you focus on the things that are happening in this stage that may throw off the next stage. And then you're overly focused on that as opposed to just focusing on the here and now and enjoying the stage you're in. So it was a long-winded way of saying, um, just try to slow down and stay in the moment. <laughs> yeah, don't don't think about the next. Don't overthink about it, yeah. I think that we would get along very, very well. It sounds like we're incredibly similar. Like when we would go on family vacations, we'd have a binder. That's one of those yeah. like three inch thick <laughs> binders and it's got tabs for every day. Yeah. And like this day at nine 12, we're doing this. And then yep. 10, 22, we move on to the next. <laughs> exactly. My husband hates my spreadsheets because he's like, he's got a spreadsheet for everything. And I'm like, yes, it's completely mapped out the next, you know? <laughs> yeah. Just follow the program and everything will be good. <laughs> right. I, I've come to a point where I'm like, I know that I want to do this, this, and this on this day. Right. I'll go with the flow to get it done. Right. But that's what I want to get done. <laughs> exactly. 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 Right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I had a lot of fun. This was really cool. So. All right. Well, thank you for this. This was great. Thank you. I hope you have a great rest of your afternoon. You too. And happy holidays. You as well. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. He is wonderful. This was a very fun discussion for me. And like I said, I love that we share the same ideas when it comes to a customer's journey. Personally and professionally, I always believe it's so important that the customer, quote, never sees you sweat. You can take the time, find the information, find the solution, but in the customer's eyes, they experience nothing but communication and a positive conclusion. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe because we have a ton of fun episodes coming your way. Happy holidays, and we'll see you next week. Sometimes you need someone there for support.